So hello and welcome to another episode of Unboxing Women where we explore why women in business are often called such a bitch with a focus on the music and entertainment industry. My name is Dana Rex and with me is my friend Micah Rose and we are both independent recording artists and singer-songwriters based in Europe. You can listen to us on our YouTube channel and on your favorite podcast platform. Today with us is Steph Maximo. She is an accomplished marketing and PR professional with over 10 years of project management experience in building and promoting brands. In 2016, Steph became a published author with her work on music publicity of the digital age, making her an established panel speaker and launching her career in music publicity and artist management with the Catalyst Publicity Group and Outer Loop Group. Now she's the owner and executive director at Whoa, That's Fresh, LLC. I gave it a schwung. <laughs> so WTF Publicity for short, where she strategizes with her all-female team about campaigns for her music artist client base. So with us all the way from Seattle, welcome to the pod, Steph. Hello, thank you for having me. <laughs> Let's start off with what WTF Publicity does exactly and how you came up with the idea. Uh, yeah, so um, does everybody know we just, came, you know, or we still are in a pandemic? <laughs> um, oh, and yes, we are. We wish we weren't. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I came up with the idea during the pandemic where the whole rest of the world, I think, at the same time had an existential crisis of what's my life? What do I want to do? What is my passion? And, you know, I actually was at a corporate job um, working in their marketing department. And I was, you know, one of the team leaders in that department and just said, I don't want this anymore. This is not my life. This is not, you know, what excites me. Um, and I thought about my past experience and, you know, world in music PR and marketing and, you know, artist management. And I kind of, you know, said, I want to get back to that more and, you know, get a little, you know, I was still doing marketing and I still worked with music at my corporate job, but it just wasn't the same, you know? Um, so I decided to start, well, that's fresh, which, yeah, we call it WTF. A lot of people say, what the fuck you're allowed. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I did that on purpose. But um, really, it started just as me, you know, wanting to be a freelancer and, you know, just getting back into music PR again, like I used to, because it, it was always a fun job. Uh, so what we do is, you know, or what I've done is build and develop bands, especially, you know, ones that may have never worked with a publicist before, you know, they're getting to that point where they're too busy that, you know, handling requests on their own, or they're going on a tour, and they really need that support. Um, and it's a proud job. It's a tough job. And it's kind of like, I joke around. I'm like, it's kind of like having children, even though I don't have any children besides a cat. But in a way where, you know, you're growing, you know, you're growing a brand, you're developing a brand, and you're seeing that go from, you know, and this is, this is an, uh, just an example of bands that may have been playing to a 20 person audience to, you know, just last April, I saw them play to a God, probably 2000 people. So, you know, I think that is, there's a pride in that. And there's a sense of accomplishment and drive to get to that point. And it's a lot of it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of work. But it's also a lot of fun. So I really miss that. I, I miss the flexibility of, um, 
working with artists that I was passionate about versus, you know, in a corporate world um, who somebody else, notably an old white man at the top, you know, picks that you work with. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, it just started like that, just a small idea of wanting to be a freelancer. And then I started connecting with a bunch of my old friends in the music industry. I had been on about like a three-year hiatus from full-blown music industry. Um, started connecting with old friends and old colleagues, managers that I used to work with, bands I used to work with. Uh, and I'm going to shout out Rivals. They're my babies. Um, but I was their first publicist, you know, God, four years ago with the release of their Damn Soul album. And right around the time that I was thinking of coming back, they were announcing a new album, Sad Looks Pretty on Me. And Kaylee, who, great friend of mine, I, you know, I started noticing that she's posting, oh, we have a new music video out and we have this out, but there's, I'm not seeing it in press anywhere, you know? And I'm just like, girl, why don't you have a publicist? <laughs> it turns out that ever since I left, like they've had a couple publicists and they just didn't really, you know, vibe as well. And the label decided to go without PR for this release because the band didn't want to at that point. And I was like, well, I'm coming back. <laughs> and it literally went from like Kaylee messaged the label manager, who is also a very good friend of mine. And the label manager was like, hell yeah, welcome back. And I, became the in-house publicist for smart punk records like right then and there wow. and then you know that brought a lot of other um really cool bands to the table but it was really fast so it was literally like i thought i was going to be part-time working and doing some freelance stuff and all of a sudden i would say within two months we had a full-blown roster um mm -hmm. where i started needing help oh. so really recruiting other people, um, other women to my team. And it was a lot of women that had a very like mind to me where, you know, we were driven, we wanted to have our own independence to kind of be our own boss and grow our own careers, and have that sense of, you know, empowerment and support as women within this company, and, you know, work together and just support each other on these campaigns. And it's gotten to the point where, you know, Gabby was the first woman I brought on. Um, but now we have gosh, over six people or over six women that work, you know, pretty much full time on different campaigns. And I believe we have 32 artists on our roster at this point, wow. somewhere around there. Yeah, it is. It exploded. So um, it was really awesome. I mean, that's kind of how, you know, WTF started. But, you know, that was the idea of it and kind of how it's evolved into this, you know, supportive network of women that just work together and hustle on these campaigns and you know we do everything from tour press to album release announcements to you know just single campaigns um and also you know we just do retainer publicity as well and um because of my personal experience and love for events we also do events and festival pr and conferences and you know nonprofit work and stuff like that as you know some extras so we have a pretty diverse um service capability and that's why i say it's public relations and marketing a lot of us come from really strong marketing backgrounds or journalism backgrounds um have pages with us who she's the former editor-in-chief of alternative press and we also have tori kravitz who was a journalist a video journalist for alternative press and monster energy on warp tour so you know really cool women that 
have had the experience in journalism or have had the experience in marketing and again just wanted to grow their own careers. So um, that's it, kind of the idea. <laughs> it being a, an all-female group, was that a conscious choice or is publicity really very much a, a, a woman's game? Um, I think it was more, it, was, it wasn't so much a conscious choice at the time. It kind of just happens that way. I think the mindset that I had coming into this I was very much in a traumatized position from the corporate job and certain relationships I had within that job that just destroyed my self-esteem. Talking about such a bitch, your guys is, you know, tagline. But there were a lot of times where um, competition was big at that place. And, you know, you had to be competitive to get up in the world. But if a man was competitive, or, you know, if a man was competitive and being aggressively competitive or rude or condescending, they were being competitive. But I was constantly being reprimanded for, you know, being either emotional or rude, or I need to get along, I need to figure out how to work with this person. It was always my problem. <sighs> and it was just, you know, so ta that's why I was like, I want to be on this show. <laughs> that was what made me say, fuck this. I want to be my own boss again. I want I want my autonomy back. I want my independence back. And I don't want anyone telling me I can or cannot do something anymore. Because yeah. that was that was big. So I think because of that's what started WTF. And that's kind of the driving passion. I just attracted a team of women like in the future if a man comes you know i probably won't say no because that's probably illegal but you know um uh, you're I, not hired because you're ha you have a penis <laughs> yeah right you know but i mean it's definitely like that mentality of understanding that we're not here to be mansplains we're not here to you know have somebody tell us how to do our jobs we're here because we're professional we know how to do the job we do the job well and we're a team that you can trust Mm -hmm. So, um, and that's, that's a big thing. And I think we still, obviously we still have some challenges, especially with men in that respect. And also PR is a tough gig to have yeah. somebody trust you. So there is a lot of, you know, there's definitely conflict, um, just as in any job, it's still a job, it's still work. Um, but it's definitely that just that passion that is like, you know, I don't want a dude tell, you know, just ruining my self-esteem and making me feel like I can't do something um, or I'm not capable anymore. And that was kind of what started the company. So it's kind of just wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that. So it's that was because... the best. Yeah. Sorry? And that was yeah. the best. It, the best. It was like three months after I had started this company and left this job. And, you know, this was kind of a pain point within this position where this other person, as I said, this company was not a music company, but this other person also had experience in the music industry and tended to talk down to me as if I didn't really have education or knowledge of how things worked. And there was always like just conflict or he would cut me off in a meeting where I would try to explain copyright law or, you know, something that I yeah. knew about that it was just, you know, I would get caught off or like, no, you're wrong. And I do it this way. And it was like, because this person was the one who dealt with music, I got put on this backpedal of, well, you don't know enough, or you're not within this company enough to be in this position yet. Um, so that was that was tough. And I think over the couple of years of that and kind of being treated in that way and not really having 
my past experience and my skills valued, I ended up having, you know, really bad self-esteem. I went into a really dark place. I ended up having to take mental health leave from my job because of it. And, you know, then three months later, after I started this job, I signed MXPX to my roster and I was just like, fuck you, dude. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, tell me I can't do shit one more time. You know? Wait, wait, wait. Who is MXPX? Who's MXPX? Oh we're, my gosh. We're we're not in America, so we, we yeah. we're not on like the latest trends. Explain, the, explain. They basically I would say started what is pop punk with Blink 182 and Simple Plan okay. and No Effects back okay. in the day. Yeah. Like their their song Chick Magnet was the first song I ever learned how to play on bass when I was thirteen years old. That title so. rings a bell. Yes. That title rings yeah. a bell. Okay. I see. So that was like my moment of like somebody who was on my wall when I was a teenager is now my client. That's great. And I literally was just like, and it was within like, you know, only a couple of months of starting this company. And also within a couple of months of starting this company, I had bands like just great features coming out and like really good things were happening. So it was literally, I kept on, I, I was kind of, you're, you're going to laugh. I was aggressively posting on Instagram, like all of the successes that I was having so fast in the beginning, because yes. I was like, I want this fucker to see this because he made me feel so much like nothing for so long. And I got, I got no support in the workplace because yeah. of that. Well, you're aggressive and he's competitive. And it's like, no, no, oh. I am being competitive as well, but because I'm a woman, my attitude was being perceived as aggressive. Mm, yeah. And, you know, I think that was really, that was one of the, you know, things that I just, I never want to have to experience that again. And I also never want any of my girls to experience that. So that's, you know, part of just like our whole mentality of how we work together too. It's, we're always there to hear each other out. We're always here, you know, nobody is below anybody. You know, we all, uh, we all may be at different levels of learning and experience within this world. But if you have an idea, you could be an intern and you have an idea and it's going to be validated and it's going to be valued and you're, you're going to be heard because mm-hmm. women don't get that a lot. And, you know, especially in a man driven world. So that's kind of why I was like, yes, like, let's, let's start this. <laughs> that's really cool. That is a really, really cool kind of basis. I'm just confused about one thing. Um, yeah. So you you said you were the um, a in-house publicist for a, a label company. Yeah, but Smart that Punk was Records. you freelancing, or so they had you under contract. Your company, or is it like? Yeah, they had uh, WTF under contract. So okay. uh, yeah, a bunch of us um, work different bands under the label too. I have two girls, Tori and Arlene, who they're kind of our like rock and punk girls. So they work on a lot of their contracts and help, um, you know, help support each other on those releases. Yeah. Well, that's actually right behind me is like my little smart punk table. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's that's because, you know, it's it's great that you do it that way, because then you can, um, you know, work for different artists that might not be under that label. Right. Absolutely. And it, it allows us to grow, you know, and I think my background in project management too has really helped us with that where it's like we have a team of girls they all have their own strengths and you know so we have smart punk and tori and arlene work on them if another band comes in that is more up tori's wheelhouse that will be under her contract if there's a band that comes in that's i have another girl she's like my right hand gabby 
Um, if it's more under her wheelhouse, she'll kind of lead that campaign. And I'm more in the, in the position of directing and assigning and just helping, you know, have the campaigns drive forward. And then the girls individually um, manage the campaigns, manage the timelines. And then with the support of the other girls, do all of the pitching and kind of the day-to-day management of that. So we're able to bring in anybody. Um, so it's basically, yeah. So with the label, they hired WTF as WTF for either, you know, the whole, um, their whole roster, like I do with Smart Punk, or I have some deals with other labels such as One RPM or, um, or Pure Noise Records, where I'm working with one or two bands under their roster, at, you know, and then they hired through the company. So it could be any of our girls. It's not just me. It's kind of, you know, a collaborative situation where we can project assign and make sure that our bandwidth isn't too thin. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. And it, it's all very rock and punk based, I have the impression. Or do you also do for the, for the most things? part? Um, for the most part, but we do a lot of indie as well and some pop. And um, like, it's funny because emo is kind of becoming pop now but i would say it's like more i guess like emo rap or uh hip-hop that we have some uh, artists that are more in the hip-hop realm we have an artist who is more singer songwriter and Mm. um kind of indie in that respect and then we also have um a couple indie artists and edm artists as well so that's more yeah very diverse very diverse and i think you know that was always how just first of all my music taste is very diverse so it's more like if i love the music or if somebody on my team loves the music we're not going to say no because if we love it we know somebody's going to love it you know and that's that's really what we like to work with and actually you'll you'll even i mean there's even we don't even do um you know national or international boundaries we have a band who they're from San Jose, but they toured in Mexico. And we have two girls on our team who can pitch in Spanish and pitch down in Mexico. It got tour press like out in Mexico and kind of in like the, the Latinx scenes for them. And we also nice. had a singer songwriter who she was living in LA going to school, but she was from Poland. So we kind of did some Polish press as well. Really? As, you know, so we got her international. Um, and we've also had an artist who is kind of like dark wave, cold wave. And that's very big, obviously, in Europe and Sweden and like that area. So they actually got picked up a lot in Swedish press and like Netherlands publications and things like that, because the music fits more overseas than it does over here. So what we do is very much, it's more like, we like to be diverse because we like to expand our network. And we also like to not punish our network with, you know, the same bands all the time or, you know, hitting up the same four publications or everything. We want to be able to be diverse in our work and also like not, not exhaust our own contacts. You know, to me, if you have 10 bands and they're all metal bands, there's only a handful of magazines that you can really pitch for those. And, you know, I don't want to have the whole company, you know, rely on that because, if something falls through, I want to be able to diversify and say, okay, well, we'll go over here and, you know, find this new market and get our feet in this new market. Because at the end of the day, it's all about the music that we like and that we really can get along with. Smart. And that's the best way, you know, if if you really like or love the music, then you're going to do your best to do yeah. 
to get it out there and so that's that's the way to go and then it doesn't matter what genre it is as long as you know where to pitch it to exactly and we do really in-depth research and that's you know and that's kind of a lot of what I wrote about in my thesis and I've also brought with me is like especially in the digital world now where everything is online it's not just print publications anymore you're not looking at a newsstand for research you can find so many journalists and writers in so many places that you would never expect. And those relationships can, you know, grow into bigger relationships too. So it's really, you know, that's another reason why we're able to work with podcasts. We're able to work with nonprofits and, you know, events as well, because it's really just finding the market, researching the market, finding who's the best contact and really putting in that time and dedication versus relying on like a press release to go out and get posted somewhere. I mean, we have the press release for the information, but really the work is in the research and the campaign building and the time we put into making these connections and personalizing those connections. Like, you know, it's not just, hey, listen to the song because I think it's good. It's, hey, I noticed that you wrote about this person on your blog and I think you'll really like this song because it's similar and in this way and really kind of making that more personal connection to them that's like hey I took the time to make sure that you're actually going to like this mm-hmm. versus that's very important just listen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that's very very important I it's wonderful how once your your internal kind of vibe changed because you took some um time away from you know those toxic men uh that you were yeah. working with <clears throat> excuse me um and how immediately it just all kind of started flowing in in the way that you wanted it to I think that's I think that's a really great story I think that is really uh very precious in you know how um people can really bring you down mentally but also just stuff that you know just doesn't happen for you anymore because you're not in that mental space and once you can yeah. free yourself from that that you know you just your 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 true um purpose kind of bubbles up again yeah oh absolutely it was funny i i made this reference and i it's i'm going to preface this by saying i love my old company and the people there are great but um this is not really saying this about the company but i felt personally, I felt like I had left a cult that and come home, you know, that was kind of like, I mean, in, in, that's my analogy that I've used before is that I felt like I was in this place that I thought I belonged. And I thought that I had support and people around me and that I kind of got, I don't want to say brainwashed in, but like, you know, I just got sucked into and that entire like that company was my life and like I didn't have friends outside of it anymore and I just I lost touch with a lot of my music industry contacts and it was just one of those situations where I didn't realize it until I had gotten out and took that time and this is like very open about saying like yes I took four months mental health leave like I you know thankfully we have that where you know we were I was able to do that Um, and take paid leave. But I did because I got to the point where I couldn't function on a day to day basis anymore. I just couldn't even go to work without being miserable and crying. And I mean, it was a bad place. We were in the middle of a pandemic, too, you know, like just the world was falling out around us. Um, So it was I will and I'm open about saying that because, you know, I 
have, you know, I have PTSD and received PTSD and, you know, I needed that time. I wasn't going to be able to grow without that time. So it's like, I recommend to anybody, like if you're ever feeling stuck, just step away and just like take the jump and step away. Because just as you said, like I came out of this feeling like I came home and feeling like I'm back in a place where I belonged with like the warmest welcome parade that I didn't even expect that like, I thought I was going to come back in and things were going to be really hard. And you know, people were going to like be mad at me or something like I don't know what was in my head about how I was going to come back. But it was the complete opposite of what I expected. And it was heartwarming. And it was like a really happy moment where I was like, okay, I feel good now. And then you know, I took that feeling of feeling good and was like, now how can I take this feeling and make it better and like bring it to other people too? And that's kind of when I brought the girls in as well. And it's like, you know, be your own person. And, you know, I think that's another thing is like in our company, there's never a day where if you say that you need a mental health day, take it. If you are, you know, just woke up on the wrong side of the bed, take the time. As long as you're getting your work done, you can take all the time you need um and if you can't get the work done at least let us know so we can figure out how to support you mm-hmm. and yeah. you know and that's that's really where we ride on because there's so many companies and i think and i think it is like a, a men driven mentality of like just work yourself into the ground and like once you're working for somebody and this is a big man thing you know just talking about the man thing too this happens with managers sometimes so like once they pay you it's almost like you're their property and you mm-hmm. must do everything that they say or else you will lose your well-being and your job and, you know and your health so it's almost like a it's almost an abusive relationship in that way when people are kind of like you must do this you must answer to my every becking call you know and um especially when that's not the way it works <laughs> no. yeah it yeah. it sounds like a little bit like um in your old company you or people in general were valued by what they achieved first and foremost and in when you went back to the music industry you were valued for your personality first and foremost and obviously also you can achieve a great deal but that's not the thing that is the most important yeah yeah and experience as well you know I Mm. think it was like your experience didn't matter at that other company. Mm. And that was a big, that was hard for me too, because I have two master's degrees. That's a feat, especially for somebody Mm. like me, who I do have mental illness. Like I have, you know, struggled in my life and I'm the daughter of a single mother and was, you know, with an alcoholic father. So it was not a great, you know, a great upbringing either. And I felt like I had made all of these achievements. And then I got into this company where they were like, well, your degrees don't matter because most of the people in that company were didn't even go to college. Um, so it was almost like you can achieve so much more and it doesn't matter what else you've done in your life. Mm, that's that a bit strange. Like they intimidated. Mm, yeah, it was, it was tough. It was tough. It definitely felt a little culty. So, I think that was... Don't don't play yourself up as a big shot just because you've got two master's degrees. Yeah, kind of like that, yeah. I wanted to say that that's actually great advice that you gave there. Like, if you're not, you know, if you're not feeling well, if, if you're not feeling... Uh, good in what you're doing anymore just step step away for a second but take the distance and that will help to to uh, see things in in a different perspective I think that's really great 
Um, I so think we both have had that as well. Sorry, just just slightly elaborating on that. I think Dana and I have both had that as well. I had that during COVID as well, where I just kind of I was doing my music beforehand, and um, it just go- wasn't going anywhere. Um, and that COVID made me like literally the lockdown. I couldn't do anything anymore. I couldn't like yeah. I, I couldn't work. So, you know, maybe I had money problems, but I couldn't do anything about it. Um, and there were loads of things, and it was just like five weeks of pure bliss. And I started writing and I started like actually being happy with writing music again and, and doing all these things and finding the joy. And then from that came the the recording and releasing of my EP, which I did now. Um, and it's just it's just insane how that yeah. stepping away, being relieved of the burden of having to do something gives you the freedom to just find what you actually want to do, because that will yeah. be the thing that you will do naturally. Yeah, it gives you really, it gives your brain a moment to reset and yeah. just like instead of being stuck in a routine of this is what I have to do it's you're you're able to just reset and then have yourself figure out what you want to do you know because yeah. you you've got this routine of I have to do this I have to work I have to you know take out the trash I have to do a b and c every single day and then all of a sudden that routine is over and then your brain is like well what do I want to do <laughs> and it's Mm-hmm. And you don't, and you don't know at first, you know, and you're kind of stuck in this fog. And then once it comes together, just really awesome things happen. So, yeah. And I, I cannot recommend to anybody more to take time. Like, I was scared to do it, and I, but I did it, and I'm so happy I did. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to ask you. Uh, so clearly, they thought you were a bitch at your old job. <laughs> what about yeah. now? Has anybody? I was. A- I was also a little too East Coast. That was the funny <laughs> thing too. Being in, living, living in Seattle, which is like just very passive aggressive West Coast attitude. And then being from New York, which is very like in your face and blunt. I've been called a bitch so many times. <laughs> it's like, for for the attitude or for like, uh, yeah, for the attitude, but basically yeah. on a personal level and on a professional level or... I think they're like you're a little much I'm like okay I'm sorry but it's it's funny because you just again you see a man have the same attitude and there it's a completely different response yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it is it is yeah I don't think you're too much for the record (laughs) thank you thank you (laughs) you'd fit right in in Europe yes (laughs) yeah See, I already know that. I come from a <laughs> European family. My one family, the one side is Greek, and the other side is Polish and Russian. Like I know. There you go. <laughs> there you go. And uh, yeah, so um, what about the mansplaining? You were telling me um, off, off, uh, offline, off the the recording, uh, that there was some stuff going on with people starting to mansplain. We hate that. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it happens so often too and it happens a lot and it's like you know I'm gonna make this real broad because the there are situations there's a situation very recently that happened but I'm gonna say this happens all the time and it is a lot of times you know going back to expertise and experience and you know just having your feet in the weeds like there's nobody else that knows more about what is happening in the media industry right now than 
myself and my team. Like we're very involved. We talk to journalists. We, you know, on a daily basis, we're emailing people on a daily basis, TV bookers. We're, you know, we have friends everywhere. We're talking to other publicists. We're networking right now. Things are very hard and they're harder than ever. And PR has never been easy. And it is one of those things where if you really think about it on the grand scheme of things, how many bands and artists are out there? Just look at one Spotify playlist and just see how much is out there. And then think about the fact that all of these people are competing for the same space in the media. And obviously, the people signed to major labels are going to get the first call at that space in the media. And then emerging artists is way at the bottom, you know, so it is like you got breaking news, you got label artists, and then you've got maybe budding artists that are on tour and doing a bunch of stuff and with other bigger artists. And then you've got the emerging artists that may not be on tour that may have a tour coming up or, you know, are kind of in an album release campaign that's just starting. You're not going to get on Rolling Stone tomorrow, you know, and you're not going to get on the cover of a magazine, you know, in three days. A lot of it takes time talking about rivals. You know, I was working for them for four years and it took a long time for the, their second album was the one that finally hit the billboard charts, you know. Um, it happens where I'll bring up another band, a, a me, you know, more metal hardcore bands that I've personally been friends with for a very long time. They're called Ice Nine Kills, and they've gone through member changes. And I want to say probably like six to eight albums. I can't even count anymore how many they've had. And they're now getting to the point where they're getting like world recognition, you know, and it's been at least 10 years for them. So it's a, I always say publicity is a marathon not a race but men manager men like to tell me that i'm wrong all the time <laughs> of course they do that. that's what and they do <laughs> what are you talking about i can call my friend at npr tomorrow and get this posted and i'm like no you can't <laughs> like, you know i mean it's just like i know you can't and i so it's just stuff like that happens all the time and then that mentality again as i mentioned before well i am paying you to do a job so you must do it and, you know, it's like, well, I am doing my job. I am doing the research. I'm doing the pitching. Like, and it's almost like I constantly feel like I have to back myself up because other people are telling me I know better than you and you're not doing your job. And we have to provide like all of this documentation. So I always say like, keep everything in email. Like, you know, there's so there's, I have to have like almost like a I used to work in a law office when I was in college. So like have that like law office mentality of like keep the receipts because we're constantly defending ourselves to these mansplaining situations where they are literally like, I mean, I've literally gotten emails where it's like, we need this to be posted on alternative press and Kerrang and rock sound and this and that like by tomorrow. And it's like, it's not going to happen. And, you know, I was like, I've been pitching all of these people. It's just not happening at this time. They're too high of reaches for this band. And there's this argument or this fight back that comes with it. And this one specific example, and I will say if this friend is watching, I am sorry, but I am bringing this up because you fucked up. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> literally in that bombarded by a bunch of texts outside of business hours being told like it was seven o'clock in the morning my time 
being told that I was wrong about my um, my analysis of the media industry and that I needed to at least do my job because I'm being paid. And when I argued back against that and basically said, listen, like, I'm telling you how it is, blah, 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 blah. I got shot back with, I can't tiptoe around your mental health issues. And I was like, excuse me. Oh, <laughs> well. Excuse me. First of all, where the fuck did that come from? And it was one of those things where it's like, I knew that, and I literally said, you can go fuck yourself. Like, I was like, that is, you just hit a bar that I didn't think you could fucking hit. And you can go fuck off right now. And like, do not bring my mental health into this. That has nothing to do with anything. And, Mm. you know, and I was just like, I have a team who's supporting. I've been telling you to send emails. I've been telling you to make sure that these things are not missed. Like, and then I've also been communicating to you the feedback along the way. Like, I don't know what you're saying. I'm not doing my job. And uh, to bring my mental health into it, it is like, so you know that I'm doing my job. You just have nothing else to say about it. So instead, you're attacking my mental health, which is literally the most mansplaining thing I could ever fucking think about because it is such like you're too emotional to do your job right, which is such a man thing to say that it just hit me and triggered me on such another level that I was just like, oh, no, you fucking did it. (laughs) You know, that's that's crazy. The thing that that does is that it hits you so hard and you're like, and it makes you emotional in that moment. So then they can Mm -hmm. say, you see? And it's like, you know what? I can send you a full fucking report of how many emails we sent of the responses. And then like two days later, I did get a big response, you know? So it just... It's like, it takes time and just listen to me when I say that things take time and they're not going to happen overnight. And if I say it's not happening right now, just take it and don't argue, you know, and it happens all the time. Um, You know, and this is, again, I've had managers who are like, well, why isn't this on Brooklyn Vegan? Why isn't this on Consequence of Sound? I can email rolling stone tomorrow and get this posted and it's like dude this is this dude's first album they're not posting it on rolling stone and they're like well my friend will do it for me and it's like no they won't because then they do it then they try to like step above you and do it and then the person says no or they just don't respond and then you know it's just it's like i kind of want to be like i told you so (laughs) it's that that pettiness of it um you know or you know it's happened at other times where you know i'll get well, you didn't hit up this person. You didn't reach out to this person. They're my friend. I know they would have covered this. And I was like, well, I did reach out to them. They do have the email. Here's the proof that they do. And they passed. Like, there's nothing I can do about that. You know, and I think that's the hard thing about PR and this job in general is you're you're pitching with like a 2% chance of success. And nobody understands that. And when you get a 10% chance of success, it is a huge win and it is a wildly successive you know successful campaign but it's never enough for anybody because they always want more and they think that they know better than you do about what this industry is and i constantly have to be like you are hiring us to provide a service and to provide our expertise and the fact that we work in this field on a daily basis we are you know we are in the news feeds and we know everything that's going on I know when a breaking news story is going to happen before it even happens, because nine times out of 10, 
a publicist is complaining about it in a private Facebook group that we are all in together, you know? Ooh, so secrets, secrets. I mean, mm. we do. We have these like, you know, or or there's like these posts where it's like, hey, I'm working with this person and we're about to announce this big thing. I'm looking for brands to collaborate with. Like that's the networking that we do. And there's a lot of, you know, there's just, it's a lot of inherent knowledge. And then, you know, when you don't have legitimate, I mean, we have, we do provide results, but when you don't have, you know, the Rolling Stones or, you know, the, and I'm going to keep saying Rolling Stone because you have no idea how many times I get asked for Rolling Stone from a, an artist that they're releasing their first EP. I'm like, are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> like, do you have realistic expectations at all? Yeah. <laughs> But it's true. I mean, if they're if they're hiring you for your expertise, but then afterwards they're saying that they're better than you and they can do it better, then why did they hire you in the first place and not do it them t- totally. themselves? Yeah. yeah. And it's just and it's just to knock you down and make you feel like you didn't do the job right. It's to make most of the time it's to make them feel better about, you know, how they're spending their money because PR is expensive and it's expensive in the way that a lawyer is expensive because, and I, I I make this analogy all the time. If you're thinking about hiring a publicist, think about it like you're hiring a lawyer because you're paying a publicist for their time to pitch your case, just as you would a lawyer to defend your case. Mm-hmm. And if the, the lawyer doesn't win your case, they still have to get paid for doing the work that brings it up to the board. Yeah. And that's exactly like a publicist. You may not get a 10 out of 10 every time when you're pitching a case, but we're out there doing the best that we possibly can on your behalf. We still deserve to get paid for that. That's still time and dedication and research and work. But just because it's not something that can be handed over to you on a silver platter, people people don't think it's quantified. Mm. So I always make that analogy. It's like hire, you're on a retainer, just like you're hiring a retainer with a lawyer. You're spending money by, you know, you're spending somebody, you know, somebody's hourly wage, really, it's expensive, because if you want that time from them, then that's what you're going to have to pay to get that time and dedication. Um, And that's why it's like, when people come at you, and they're like, why am I not on this? Or why am I not on that? And blah, 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 or texting at like nine o'clock at night, or seven o'clock in the morning. And, you know, it's just like, there's no, the personal boundaries get lost the you know professional boundaries are just completely blurred um and i think it's like you really have to think of a publicist as if they are a part of your team as if a lawyer is they're Mm -hmm. not your on-call person to complain and yell at and tell them that they're not doing a good enough job yeah (laughs) absolutely i think it's yeah you're absolutely right i think though that um it's a little bit underplaying as well what you do because it's not just your work like you were just saying it's your life I mean you have this network they're friends of yours so it's it's in essence your whole life kind of revolves around this I'm sure you have friends outside of publishing but you know you, you you need to meet up with these people outside of work as well to just kind of because you like them or whatever and it's just the you need to keep thing. a good relationship exactly and, yeah. it only works with trust and with knowing people and being in these facebook groups which probably also are outside of work time so it's just a lot of things that yeah. go into it that that is like a lawyer when he goes home he can probably just go home unless it's like a really important case but um for you it's like it's very constant Uh, and i think that takes a lot of dedication and love for what you do so yeah yeah totally so it's that's 
it hurts when you get those like mansplaining situations where like you're not doing your job right and it's like no i am (laughs) you just don't know what my job is yeah Um, and (laughs) maybe you should explain (laughs) it to them try doing my my job yeah so we joke around all the time about how we're gonna make like a webinar of me explaining what pr is to like people and like just chart like whenever somebody like you get three stupid questions as like as a manager and and i'm sorry to all the managers i work with but this is true you get three stupid questions and after the three stupid questions you have to pay a 100 bucks to watch my webinar (laughs) do it I want to see this work. It's like my passive aggressive way of just being like, stop it. Um. (laughs) Well, on that note. Yeah, on that note, I think that's all for today. Um, So thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Unboxing Women. And thank you, Steph, for coming on the show. We've had an absolute blast. Um, Thanks, ladies. (laughs) Um, if you guys want to connect with Steph be sure to check out her socials which you can find in the show notes below and if you've ever had an experience you'd like to share with us send us a DM or tag us in your post with the hashtag such a bitch my name is Micah Rose and I've been chatting with Dana Rex and Steph Maximo this is a weekly show so make sure to tune back in next week same time same place thanks again for listening and we'll see you soon Bye. bye thank you